Last week I was away, staying in a cool little island in the middle of the sea, but in doing so I missed a massive upset as Kawasaki Frontale lost to Consadole Sapporo. This week I'm back during a time when hardly any games have happened and there's not a lot going on, so we'll talk about my terrible timing and worrying corona updates on this very poorly judged episode of Japan Soccer Weekly. Hello and welcome to what can only be described as a slightly mistimed episode. By now you probably know the results from last week, which really leaves us just two top flight games to discuss. The matches between Yokohama FC and Vissel Kobe, and Sagan Tosu against Vagalta Sendai. Yokohama FC is where we'll start because that was a cracker. Yokohama overcame an early deficit to beat Vissel Kobe 2-1. Stealing victory thanks to an injury time winner from 19-year-old substitute Reo Yasunaga. Kobe came out of the blocks quickly with Andre Iniesta impressive in leading the line. An aggressive start and it really paid off fairly quickly. As with just 9 minutes gone, Koke volleyed home across from Ogawa. Despite this aggressive start, Kobe switched off. And didn't really, it didn't react quickly enough as the hosts attacked straight down the middle from the restart to set up an equaliser. The lapse in concentration was short-lived, however, as Kobe quickly picked themselves back up. And it was back to normal in the hunt for a second goal. And it really started putting pressure on the Yokohama goal. Now, I have to mention it, and we can't talk any more about this match without discussing one of the great players and icons of the league, King Kazu. 87 minutes in and Miura came off the bench. Currently, he's 53 years old and the oldest footballer to play professionally. So I was really happy to see him uh, just get a little bit of game time on the field. I think this appearance means that he's effectively upped his own record as the oldest player to play in a J-League top flight game. At 53 years, 8 months and some days, probably 30, I think 13 days is what I saw it was. But this is a, yeah, it's a record that he's just extended and might keep going for a little while yet. I wish, I wish I could tell you that it was his goal that gave Yokohama the victory. But that honour fell to fellow, fellow late substitute Yasunaga, who fired home from distance. The 91st minute strike must have been doubly sweet for him, to be honest, because his father was also a former Marinos player. As mentioned before, I think I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, Kobe, despite being probably the most famous team in Japan, especially for overseas audiences, have had a pretty underwhelming season. The result leaves them now in 11th position and in a really sort of middling run of form. You know, with the investment and backing and overall kind of draw of the crowds that they've got I really thought I wondered if they'd do better this season but it just hasn't really clicked for them so we're not far away from the end of the season and it'll be interesting to see what they can do when we get a new season underway anyway in Sunday's other first division match Honda netted a pair of second half goals as 15th placed Sagan Tosu thrashed bottom side Vigalta Sendai 3-0 at the Yurtek Stadium. Tosu, who led from the 6th minute onwards, could have won by more, 
and each game that passes now looks to be sealing the fate of Vigalta Sendai. It's not that they're cut adrift or anything just yet, but it's the manner of the defeats, especially those against the, uh, the defeats against the teams that are battling just around them. They don't look like they believe they can get out of this, so it must be a tough place to play at the moment. How do you keep motivation and concentration going when you're in a run of 17 games without victory? A team kind of on the up, a team technically just below them, is J2 leaders Tokushima Vortis back on top again. A surprise loss for Avispa Fukuoka against Yamaga and a couple of very, very good victories for Tokushima, which looked like tricky fixtures beforehand, now means that Vortis are back on top again, three points clear and with a huge lead in goal difference too. There will be uh, The J2 teams will be playing again on midweek Wednesday night, so with the possibility that it'll all change again. But that league, the title battle that's going on, is really one to watch out for. We're just over a month away from the end of the season now, and we're lucky that we have so many good battles going on, especially in the J2 and J3. Alright, as well as the league has done in arranging a schedule that works and finding compromises around the wrecking ball that is Corona, this week has brought back a bit of a reality check, in that we're not quite out of the woods yet. This weekend's Levain Cup final was postponed after Casua Racehall reported 10 new Corona cases among both players and staff. This is the first time for the Cup final to be postponed, but obviously carries implication for the league alongside it, who will need now to postpone Raysol's next game and figure out a solution in an already incredibly packed schedule. We're lucky there aren't that many fixtures left, so I'm sure they can do it, but it's a headache for everyone involved. Testing among the, among the teams here and the staff has actually been really thorough, extensive and very transparent with tests and results regularly posted and updated online that you can just find quite quickly. You really have to compliment the league on how they've managed that so well. It's been very well handled. But unfortunately, regardless of testing, cases are still going to occur. And in total, Kashua have now reported, I think, 13 positive tests. So first and foremost, we wish everyone a speedy recovery. That's obviously the most important thing. As for the league matches... And the final to be played as well, we'll wait and see what they come up with and when these games will eventually be played. There might not be a huge amount riding on them at that time and I'm not sure how the delay will work out. But being this close to the end of the season and just probably one or two matches that need uh, rejigging, hopefully it's not that much of a problem. So now we'll have a last quick break then and it's time to finish the podcast by talking about a league that's already wrapped up and the celebrations underway, the Women's Nadeshiko League. Okay, last part of the podcast now and all that remains is for us to say congratulations to Urawa Reds. Their 5-1 victory on Sunday clinched the title of the Nadashiko League. This is actually just before the new Professional Women's Empowerment League will launch next season in September. Um, and the Urawa Reds will actually be part of that league. So they're effectively getting a promotion. 
But yeah, they'll be ecstatic to have wrapped this up so quickly and so convincingly. What's more important is they did it in front of their home fans as well. It's always nice when it happens in front of the home fans. So they would have been really eager to seal it then rather than have it drag on for another week. There's actually still two games to play, but with their lead now unassailable, the celebrations have started already. Veteran striker Ando said that the support we receive from our fans is something we can show proudly to the rest of the world. It means a lot for us to decide the title here at Komaba. And it's true, actually, they had pretty decent crowd and a very good turnout, really well supported team, which is great to see. And they had the celebrations prepared on the pitch after the game. So as mentioned, Urawa Reds, along with Kobe currently in second place, are two of the clubs among the 11 founding members of the Women's Empowerment League that kicks off in September. That's a bloody long time to wait, so it'll be interesting to see where some of the top players train and move to in the meantime. Just to confirm, the Nadashigo League will still continue and will effectively become the second tier of women's soccer, but for the time being, at least in that first season, there'll be no relegation or promotion to the Women's Empowerment League. Uh, we'll obviously see that might change over time, but for now we'll have a first tier and a second tier, but it does not appear to be a way to move between them at the time being. And that will do for this roundup. Uh, Wednesday, as mentioned, we have a selection of midweek matches. Gamba Osaka against Kobe probably being the pick of the bunch from the J1. There's a full lineup of games in the J2, with important results happening at both the top and bottom of the table. Avispa Fukuoka, in particular, are looking over their shoulders at Nagasaki at the moment. I'll be back next week to discuss how the table is shaping up, the fixtures to keep an eye on going forward. Have a good week, everyone, and I'll see you on the next week's episode of Japan Soccer Weekly. <laughs>